Last Saturday, our church got together for Thanksgiving brunch in the park. The fog burned off just in time, which is great because we hadn't really thought about there not being good weather for an outdoor picnic in the middle of November. We Californians are so spoiled. I was struck looking around over the course of the morning at the power of people just showing up for each other. There's no magic in connection, and yet it can feel magical. And when I really look at what's happening, it's simply that people came ready to listen to each other, curious about one another's lives. There's simply a sincere showing up that created something really lovely over the course of that time together. It's the same kind of showing up that happens each week when we go to virtual brunch. It's just a Zoom breakout room. But because people show up and they really want to build authentic relationship, that space over time actually does do just that. We're in a series called God With Us, where we're looking at the Christmas narratives and also wondering about ordinary practices that help us live as if God really is with us. Today, I want us to think about the power of connection as a practice where we notice God's presence. I want us to think about the ways that being together helps us realize that God is there too. I want us to be mindful of the fact that just showing up for each other over and over again in very ordinary spaces and places helps us show up for each other in the big moments and realize where God is in those big moments. As we turn to the Christmas story, we're going to be seeing Mary visiting Elizabeth. And this is a big moment for both of them. They're each going through something that feels huge. And Mary, especially as she is now pregnant with Jesus, is carrying the two realities of something really exciting, but also really scary. And a lot of times what happens is that we come to a moment like this in the Bible and we see the bigness of it. What we might not realize is that before this moment, there must have been a hundred regular moments where Mary and Elizabeth just showed up the way families did for one another back then. And because they did that over and over again, this moment of connection holds the power that it does. So let's dive in. This is Luke chapter one, starting in verse 39. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud voice, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For God has looked with favor on the lowliness of God's servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is God's name. God's mercy is for those who fear them from generation to generation. God has shown strength with their arm, has scattered the proud in their thoughts of their hearts. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly, has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. God has helped God's servant Israel 
in remembrance of God's mercy, according to the promise God has made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. Some things I notice as I revisit Luke's words. First, how Mary entered the house of Zechariah. Not Zechariah and Elizabeth. It's his. And it just reminds us as we dive in that this is not an empowered sisterhood of the supernaturally pregnant kind of visit. Being barren in a culture that values women for childbirth means living with some sense of being defective. And that would have been Elizabeth's experience, especially since children are seen as the means by which one lives on. This becomes really hard because your legacy, even a bit of your own self, lives through your offspring. Elizabeth carries this. This is her story. Her identity was in part barren. And now it's changing. We all know how that's hard to live into, even when the new identity is a good one. Meanwhile, Mary is pregnant too, which, were God not the reason, would also mean living with some sense of being defective. As a young girl in this culture, you have one job, to be a good candidate for a wife and future mother. And it cannot be that absolutely everyone buys into this whole immaculate conception, God's the reason she's pregnant thing. She must know that. And as we see in Mary's words, her identity is lowly. But she reminds us that lowly people experience God with them in uniquely wonderful ways. So these two women come together. And Elizabeth could resent or guard herself against Mary as the young one who's pregnant. Mary could gloat over Elizabeth because of that youth. They could each be skeptical of God's involvement with the other. Perhaps even jealous. But no. They celebrate what God is doing. Their connection affirms that God is with them, both. As they connect, God is honored and given credit for what God is doing. Each of their words reveal their awareness that God is with them. But their connection to one another is what brings it to light. How often does God not get credit when God deserves it? Because we don't share with each other and celebrate. We chalk it up to coincidence. Or just good circumstance. We notice the human side of the experience, but not the divine permeating it. Just this last week, someone in our group was celebrating a new job offer that'll come with a move to a new place. And as we were celebrating that in a little DM, they mentioned how they had experienced God through a series of songs. Their playlist had been on shuffle, and yet the tracks that played one after the other really spoke to the heart of what they were trying to decide about this job. And they just made the quick note, that can't be coincidence, right? And isn't that exactly it? That we ask God to lead us and then listen for God. And there God was. But how easy would it have been for this person to simply be glad that the songs lined up that way, just, you know, by happenstance? They would have missed the opportunity to thank God for leading them forward, but they didn't. They noticed God in something seemingly small and seemingly coincidental. There was God with them. Mary and Elizabeth invite us to experience God with us in connection. As Mary arrives, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke likes this phrase. He uses it nine times in his two books. One is to actually describe John even before he was born which I find to be an amazing image, the idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit in utero. 
I don't even totally know what it means. So if you're looking for some theological discourse on how the Holy Spirit does that, you're not going to find that right now. He uses the phrase to describe Elizabeth here. And then Zachariah at John's circumcision is also filled with the Holy Spirit. This phrase is the one that captures a person being able to be aware of how God is animating the moments that they're living in. So God, God's spirit fills Elizabeth as she connects with Mary. God's spirit fills Mary in response. And they are able to name God's activity in them and through them and how they are a part of God's larger story. It's as they connect that their circumstances are seen clearly as places where God is working. And this is the thing we all want. We want to notice how our regular circumstances might be places where God is working. We feel discouragement when we can't see God working in our ordinary circumstances. And so perhaps connection is the next right thing for us too. You may or may not personally be in a time of loneliness, but one thing that's undeniable is that we live in a culture of loneliness. And the pandemic has caused that to deepen and to spread. This last week, I read a Harvard report that noted that 36% of all Americans, over a third of us, including 61% of young adults and 51% of mothers with young children, feel, and here's the phrase, serious loneliness. They feel serious loneliness. I cannot help but imagine that that would include a sense of loneliness from the very presence of God as well. The report also noted that the prevalence of anxiety symptoms was three times as high as the rate reported in the second quarter of 2019. Depression was four times as high. And we know that loneliness and depression can brutally compound one another. Depression breeding loneliness and loneliness breeding depression in a really vicious cycle. And so what do we do with awareness like that? when it can feel really looming. We show up to brunch. We ask questions about each other's lives and remember the answers. We send the text. We reach out over and over again because the reality is there is no way to microwave the connections that we need. We can't have a Mary and Elizabeth moment without having first invested in a hundred ordinary ones that never would have made it into an amazing book. But the ordinary moments are what build the musculature so that when the big moments happen, we're ready. As a church, our mission is to follow Jesus into the world together. When that plays out in regular life, it means we keep showing up so that we can notice where God is to follow in the first place. So we can help one another when the together part feels hard. The simple practice of connection can be an incredibly transformative place because we actually notice God is with us. It changes everything. When we were together live, all we did next at this point was break into smaller groups and share one something that was going on in our lives right now. That was the prompt. What's one something that's really going on in your life? And people can pick What feels safe and appropriate for them to share that morning? It wasn't that everyone had to go with their deepest and their hardest, but everyone practiced showing up together for each other. 
So where you are right now, here are some ways this might look. Perhaps you can think about who could be Elizabeth for you. Someone who would see the things you're carrying and be with you in that. All that Mary is carrying feels both exciting but also terrifying. So is there somebody that comes to mind? In which case the practice would be, after you put the podcast away, send the text. Hey, you came to mind. Wondering if you can grab coffee in the next couple weeks. Just make the connection. On the other hand, it is possible that you might be Elizabeth for someone else. Somebody finds that they notice God is with them because of the way you show up for them. And if someone comes to mind, again, the practice is the same. Send the text. I know it might seem odd to talk about the spiritual practice of sending a text message, but it all stems from how do we, in regular ways, show up for each other such that we have connections that help us identify the very presence of our God in our life. The big and grand things come from the ordinary moments. That's how it was with Mary and Elizabeth. That's how it is for us. And that is how we will come to find more and more that God really is with us. And now may the grace, love, joy, and peace of our God be with you. And when you can't always tell that it's with you, may God send you a friend to show you. And when it is time to be that friend to someone else, may you show up with great awareness of the importance of connection. In it all, may our God be glorified. Amen.